Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to another episode of Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we're absolutely sure we don't know everything. I am your host, Kelsey Dara, and this week is going to be such a fun one. I'm so excited to introduce to you my new friend. Listen to this. Listen to these legit stats, okay? He is an award-winning disability awareness consultant, the chief disability officer, and co-founder of Bumpin', a sex toy for and by disabled people. Okay, he proudly identifies as disabled and queer, and he is also the host of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories that I will be on later this week. Wow, wow, wow. Which is one of oh, so excited. awards. I can't wait. Andrew, you're here. Hi, I'm here. Oh my goodness. Amazing. Hello. I'm so we've happy been, to be here. We've been trying to hang out forever, and I was in Toronto not long ago, and we were trying to get together there, but I forgot stupid COVID. I had to go get a COVID test. We couldn't hang out, but we met through Zach Corn Diddy Cornfeld, my yeah, bestie. Did. You were on the tripod talking about disability and pandemic, which was incredible. I mean, that was great I job. was so I was I am I am not a famous person, and I but I was yes, so nervous. I was like, what are I was so nervous, and I, I did it again recently. I was on again. Yes, how to go? Shit. It was great, but I was again so nervous because like there was Keith and Ned, and I was like, "Wait, I've watched you in my house, like in my pajamas. This is really weird." It was great, but it was. I'm You're shy. You're such a pro. No, you, you are shy. Are you out of your mind? Really you though, actually, I'm. Very, I'm so shy. No way! I never yeah. would have guessed it. You, I mean, you literally talk for like a living, and I, I guess people assume the same thing about me, but. But I also am just so not. I'm like I'm super shy. Like when they when Ned and Keith were there, I was like, oh, what do I do? Like, aren't they just the biggest I, dorks? I was like, you know, all three of them were such huge dorks. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Okay, I can sit right in here. It's good. We're safe. Yeah, like truly, those guys are the most. Even Eugene, who people think is like some like high fashion intellect, he like they're all just human. Dork they're just people. dorky human people that like want to do a thing. <laughs> Like, isn't that all of us? We all just desperately want to be liked and do something. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, well, I'm so glad we finally got to do this. I've been wanting to have you on for since we spoke. And I mean, let's just get right off the bat. Like, who the fuck are you, Andrew? Like, what do you do and why? <laughs> who the fuck am I? Well, um, well, I'm a disability awareness consultant and I talk from in most of my life in everything I do about disability. I'm a wheelchair user. I am super queer. Hell yeah. I'm 38. Uh, oh. What's your star what sign? Taurus. Oh, hard worker. We love to see it. Uh, hard worker, but also like pro procrastinator. Could sit and watch <laughs> like 
10 episodes of one show and be like, oh, yeah, I had work to do. Yeah, I just forgot about it. It's fine. I saw a TikTok yesterday that was like, life is falling apart. And it's just like this girl sitting there. It's like, my life is falling apart. And then the next shot was her laying down. It was like, has a little lays instead. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. Always just trying to have a little lay. I just need a little lay. Yeah, I mean, I need a big lay too. But... but. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, so listen... You have your podcast, uh, Disability After Dark, which talks all subjects. You tell tell the confidants just like a couple of the topics you've talked about. All oh there. wow! I mean, we started off as a sex podcast, a sex and disability podcast, because there was nothing out there like that at the time. So I was like, well, let me make one. And then after about a year and a half of talking exclusively about sex, everything from how to have sex in your wheelchair to like how to have anal sex as a disabled person um i was like i'm bored of sex i want to do more but i don't want to i don't want to start a whole (laughs) podcast so i just kind of pivoted and was like well let me tell stories around disability because we don't talk about disability enough anyway so disability after dark seems like a great pivot into just telling a story and so now i've done everything from like um the importance of disability housing and accessible housing to like you know i'm doing a series on the show right now all about poo called The Shit Is Real, where I talk about, like, gastro issues and disability. So I do a whole bunch of different things in the platform where I get to play with, like, talking about disability and making sure disability is in every part in every part of the discussion. See, I feel like a kindred spirit with you because I feel like I can talk about shit and have my face and my vagina be uh, like the first things you see on the internet when you google me <laughs> but also the things i'm saying are important you know right exactly <laughs> yeah like i've done porn you can see my dick on the internet if you want to that's fine but i have other stuff i want to say <laughs> but like you really need to hire me to like make the world better like i can't yeah right think. you should be also listening to me very seriously <laughs> All the time, right? Yeah, so, like, I use my platform as, like, it's my therapy almost, where I get to just talk about what I want to talk about and hope that people like it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you feel like with, uh, you know, when you Google you, right, like, a lot of sex stuff comes up the same thing with me. Like, do you, and you even said, you're like, after a year and a half, I got, like, sick of talking about sex stuff. Like, yeah. What, do you get exhausted with being an advocate and a consultant? And, like, how do you recharge i i do get exhausted with doing that and so like but i also remember like when i was 15 i wanted somebody like me to do what i'm doing and so i try to remember like 15 year old me needed me now so i better just keep going and like i'm in a really privileged position where i get to do what i do and i get to work from home and i created a job out of like thin air for myself so i better be grateful that i have it and not like take it for granted so like yeah, I mean, I do get exhausted, and I, I think it can be really hard when you're working in the disability space to you because it's, it's such an oppressed community that's been so oppressed by everyone. If you don't say exactly what they want you to say and, and exactly how you're supposed to speak about a certain thing, there can be some like infighting, and so that gets exhausting. And like, I mm. so I do get really tired, and how I recharge is like a lot of. Um, a lot of Grey's Anatomy, a lot of like just <laughs> stupid, mindless television that doesn't really like, and murder shows and murder podcasts. Like I like all that stuff. So really big on true crime. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, I think doing all that stuff is 
and being an advocate and putting myself out in the public eye and kind of creating this image of who I'm supposed to be is really hard and it's not easy and I don't there are days where I just don't love it but I'm also really thankful that I get to do it yeah absolutely it's something I'm recognizing after writing like a mental health book and then currently writing a chronic pain book where I'm like Oh, yeah, this is good for me also to just talk about. But when I'm not doing that, like, it, it's my life and a job. It's, like, my identity and the way I pay my bills. Oh, yeah. It's, that it's, so that's such a, it's so enmeshed and it's so hard to, like, be, like, how much of yourself is you and how much of yourself is, like, the character you're putting out in the world because, like, you want to have some of, of you that is not public and it's, it can be really hard. Oh, I got a lot of secrets y'all motherfuckers don't know about. I got to keep oh, some yeah. shit in for me. <laughs> there's some shit I will go to the grave without putting on. Oh, the yeah. Internet, there's, stuff I'll never, there's stuff I'll never tell anybody yeah. about my life. Which is crazy, I feel like, to hear from both of us. Because it's like we will literally talk about anything. About literally shit and, like, any, anything. So, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> I have to ask, like. People always say, you know, like, oh, you gave me, like, the confidence or, like, you gave me the, you know, gall to talk about something or to, like, step into my own. And I'm like, really? Because I don't always feel like the most confident person and I still experience a fuck ton of shame. And do you, like, experience that? And how do you work a, work through and about shame and guilt? And yeah, people shit? tell me that all the time, too. I get the same kind of, like, wow, you're so confident. You're so, like... Your words help me, like, because I'm really active on Instagram. So I'll do a lot of Insta tweets where I'll talk about, like, how my day and all that kind of stuff. And so people will come back with, wow, your stuff is so, like, important to me. And I read your stuff all the time. And it helps me, like, see the world differently. And you're so powerful. And I'm like, what? What? How? What are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm so, I'm, what? Yeah, who are you? who's this person that you're looking for? Because it's not me. Um, and so I feel a lot, of, a lot of shame. And so kind of my superpower I guess is like leaning into that now and really talking about it and really giving language to it because I think especially in the work we do as like public facing figures we want to we want to hide that stuff away but I'm kind of going the other way like let's okay let's dive in let's go right into it and talk about it but even if it's uncomfy because like people are feeling that way and if I can shed some light for them to be like they don't feel alone I'm gonna do that hundred percent. And I feel like there's been this conversation around disability, especially during and after post pandemic and sort of like maybe right before the pandemic, too. There was this sort of like media awakening of like, wait, oh, my gosh, you mean we should be like putting disabled characters into our scripts and having like disabled people <laughs> actually portray themselves and like. Did you notice that influx and were you like, good for my bag, annoying for my conscience? <laughs> I mean, I think it's tiring because like we've known forever there should be this representation and disabled mm -hmm. people forever have been like, yeah, we're way too late. Like, where the fuck is it? And even when we do do it, it's not good enough because we don't have disabled people writing scripts. We don't have disabled people in the behind the camera. We don't have disabled people like make like actually making the production so you know one of the things that i can talk about it now finally one of the things that i got to do this year was consult for the new queers folk coming out by the time we're recording this yes. like in two weeks and so i got to consult for them over the last couple years and they sent me the scripts and i would give them my ideas and i would say what about this what about this put disability in this way 
And then after I had done that, they they phoned me and said, can we have a meeting with you? And I said, sure. So we, we hopped on a Zoom and they were like, we want to have you in the show. Do you want to come down and film? And I was like, uh, sure I do. So, you know, to, to get to... To get yeah. to be there and to get to be a part of that was kind of really important because it showed that, like, you can include disabled people here. They are a vital part of this process. And to know that I helped not only be a part of the show, but also, like, refine the script so that it was the it was actually accurate to represent disabled people as sexual beings on a big TV show. It was, like, really cool. It was really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, congrats. I saw the post and I was like, hell yeah, you were in some like leather get up. It was sexy. Yeah, whatever they whatever they had put me in. And I, I, you know, I had to, I held on to those photos for like months and months and I was dying to share. But I was like, no, I can't. I gotta wait. I gotta wait. And so when I finally got the green light, I was like, yes, I can finally see it now. I'm going to like put it as the thumbnail for this just so everyone can see all the gorgeousness. Like we're going to put those photos everywhere we absolutely can. Put it in a museum, babes. That's what I'm I'm here for. Yes. Yes. I'm here for it. (laughs) So tell me about like the process when working with uh, like in a space that is very ableist. Well, let's let's start from what is ableism. Let's start from the root of the word. Oh wow, let's go right. Let's go right back to the beginning. So ableism is yeah. like it's hard to define because on its face it is implicit or explicit bias against disabled bodies in favor of able-bodied bodies. So it could be anything from remember when 45 was president? I know, it was a horrible time. But remember how oh, like what? remember how we all made fun of his body? Like, yeah, that was a little bit of ableism there. Remember, like, you know, when people make fun of somebody in a wheelchair for, you know, do you have a license? I know you're trying to be funny, but that's also ableism. Like, you know, or it can go, it can be as, like, overt as, oh, you're a wheelchair user? We don't think you're qualified for this job. Sorry. Like, we're not going to hire you. Or, you know, or something like, hey, I want to sleep with you, but you're a wheelchair user, so I'm not sure how to do that. Um... So it's really hard to define because yeah. it impacts every part of our lives. But the simple definition is it's in, it's bias in favor of able-bodied bodies. And you, I like how you said, like, implicit or not. Like, there is just a level that I think we're born into in society because society is so in favor of abled bodies, like, that you have to, I don't know, I hate the word, like, unlearn it but you really do just need corrective really experiences do. i think if you're not taught it from youth and so yeah or like you just don't have the experience right it's not in a curriculum it's not like taught anywhere so where do you find that like people do you have any resources or places to point to when you're trying to change like a systemic problem like how where do we even fucking start i mean i think before we start we, we look at ways to, like, change right away. I think the first thing we have to do is admit that we're all ableist, myself included. Like, we, we all can do that. We all have done that. We all will do that. And I think people are afraid to, because nobody wants to be the offensive one. So we're all afraid to be like, oh, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did. But the truth is, like, we all have done. Yeah. So before we even go to look to, like, the resources, we should, we should, like, sit with ourselves for a minute and be like, oh, yeah, I'm ableist. I've done ableist things. And I always say, like, Doing ableist things doesn't make you a bad person. It just means you have stuff to work on. And I think, you know, 
I think it's not so much if you make a mistake once, okay, fine. But if you make a mistake and then I ask you to not do it and you continue to do that, mm -hmm. that's where I think the problem is. And I think we have to be aware of, like, in 2022, saying I just didn't know is, like, yes, that, that gets you that gets you far to a point but then at some point it's like yeah. but wait you're gonna hurt somebody why would you say that like what you're saying is gonna hurt someone oh shoot are you still there yeah i thought i lost ah. you it froze i thought i lost you <laughs> it froze and i was like oh no <laughs> ah, i heard you say um 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 what did i hear you say what did i what was the thing you finished on i, I didn't said, hear like the last what, like five words <laughs> what did i finish on i said uh you know, that makes it sound I like said, you came on something. I'm sorry. You didn't come on anything. You were finishing a sentence. <laughs> what did I what did I <laughs> What did I what did I finish? I said I probably said I can't even remember. But I probably said, yeah. you know, all of us can be ableists and Yeah, it just, just means you have to, learn stuff better. to work on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like it, yeah, like digging up old tweets. It's like people from you know twenty uh, whatever two thousand eight. It's different. Oh, I from hate 20, I hate that when they, when like, people do that. And it's like, well, I remember when he said this, and it's like, well, but did he grow? <laughs> Has he changed? Did people like, change? Has like, he proven people, himself to be a worthy society like, member? And when people do that on Twitter, I'm always like, well, what about your mistakes? Like, what what if we went back on and looked at your tweets? From 10 years ago, did mm -hmm. you say, have you said anything horrible? Like, who knows? Like, I'm sure if we go back yeah. on my tweets right now, I've said something horrible, horrible that I, I would mean, probably wish same. to erase. Like, and, yes, and I'm now sure that I've, I, I, I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm terrified that somebody would pull out my tweets from 10 years ago because I'm sure I said something awful, but like, <laughs> I've grown up as we all do. Yes. Yes. That's the point there is I think like we all have access to learning and you know we've got the world in our hand with the literally iphone or a computer or like access to internet and like it's important to do the work and like you know not to blow ourselves up but like that's why people like us are here to help teach you and make you feel a little less shitty yeah. along the way or i don't and know like, do you like to do you like to punish people ever who are I mean, <laughs> like a shitty person who's being ableist like do you ever use the card to just really drill it in i, I used to do like, that but then i think know. like i think that's such a shame because yeah it's fun to do that and yeah it's mm -hmm. cool to get internet points when you call somebody out on twitter and it's really fun to watch them squirm for a second but then i think like wouldn't it be better if I just taught them? If I if I use my mm -hmm. my lived experience to teach them? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that every disabled person needs to be a teachable moment, but like no. I think if I can do that, if I can if I can be that person for somebody and give them a a chance to look at things differently, I'm gonna do that. And rather than being like, yeah, you're a fucking ableist, mm -hmm. like no, no, okay, like sure, like I could do that. <laughs> and I did that for a while in my activism, yeah. and that was fun for a while. But then. It felt really kind yeah. of gross, and I was like, "I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not giving them anything to feel good about. I'm t telling them they're assholes and moving on." And I, mm. I see it so much on disability Twitter and disability like disability mm -hmm. spaces where it's fun to be like, "Well, you're an ableist. Fuck you," and then that's it. And it's like, "Well, yeah. but there's more to it than that." Case closed. Yeah. There's nothing else you can say after that. Once you pinned that in the coffin, and yeah, I I'm and terrified, like, right? Like, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll talk about like I don't want this interview to be about me. That's why I'm going on your podcast. But I definitely we've like briefly glossed over that uh, with when Zach and I were talking 
about how he you were the person that really helped him identify as disabled and okay like, that made me cry when he, and when he when he told me that i literally i had to stop and be like what like i read the email like six <laughs> times and i was like I was like, oh, and I just, it made me feel, like, so happy because, you know, I do my thing and I'm a goof and whatever. And I don't think that, like, what I'm saying is impactful. And so then when someone like that says to me, oh, I think I, I think I'm discovering a part of myself that I didn't realize before. Like, Zach is someone that I, we've all watched for years kind of grow into the, who he is now. And so, like, to see him say to me in, in an email privately, like, hey, I think you really, like, helped me get to this new place. I was... I still even think about him floor like wow that's so cool. Yeah, I mean he he'll he'll tell anyone who will listen and and you know I'm glad he's talking more about it and I I know he he's going to do a lot more work on it but I want to talk about like the intercommunity struggle, right? Like is there a hierarchy in the disabled community just in terms of like I don't know who's doing it the best. <laughs> who's I doing mean, the most? I th- who's teaching? Like, I think that the way that I go back to it is there is a hierarchy, and I think the hierarchy is twofold. I think the hierarchy is who do we look up to, and I find a lot of disabled people because they're so oppressed and they want somebody to like be angry about the oppression with. They'll look to like angry creators who are like, yeah, fuck you, you're enablist. Like, I think, and that's great. Mm. I think if you need to to have that part of activism for yourself, good. For me, it's like, I don't want to do that. My job is to build a bridge between non-disabled and disabled folks and be like, I want to teach you mm. without shaming you. I think if we shame somebody, we're not actually, mm. we're not moving the disability rights movement forward if I scream at you and say you're a fucking ableist. Like, that doesn't help anybody. So I think there are different points of, of activism and I think there are different points of uh, there are different points of how you can enter into those worlds. I don't think that a hierarchy is good for anybody. I think we need to we need to get rid of all that. I think there is a disability hierarchy though. A lot of disabled people will say that certain types of disability like wheelchair users or people with cerebral palsy like me are less sought out than somebody with like a spinal cord injury or somebody with like who can walk and has disabilities um so i think mm-hmm. we have to look at the lateral ableism which is just the ableism within our own group um and figure out mm-hmm. how we stop that because i don't think it, i don't think it's fair yeah i feel that deep with like the chronic pain community just with like spoonies right like it overlaps heavily into the disability community you can have one without the other but a lot of people would argue that you can't that one is the other and i always feel a lot of shame and guilt around am i taking up a space that for someone who like and i'm making air quotes like looks more disabled or in pain than i am and and it's so funny that's literally the conversation yeah yeah that's literally the conversation that zach and i had and he was like dude i don't think i don't think i'm allowed to take up space and i kept being like (laughs) I kept being like, yes, you are. Of course you are. And so, like, but I think, you know, that's you're not the first person that's asked me that, and you won't be the last. Like, I think mm. the way we have shown that disability can only be through an accident, a tragic, horrible accident, or mm. you have to be in a wheelchair to be really disabled, or you have to be intellectually disabled mm. to be really disabled. Like, all of that is ableism mm. by itself. 
I think if you have the balls to say I think I'm disabled, that's a big <laughs> label to like t put on yourself. And if you're saying that, there's probably yeah. a reason behind it, and we should probably be listening to you. Oof, oof! Thank you for the thank you for the confidence boost for the little reminder. <laughs> I needed that. Um, I do. I want to ask. So I want to. I want to go into like how you've all, you've talked a lot about body betrayal and i want to know like oh what, read my how tweets would you explain did you read my tweets from yesterday <laughs> i don't know Might i want to know does. what do you consider body betrayal and what is it well i mean for me like you know not to get too sexy here but like sometimes because why not but, I mean, right? Let's let's go in. So because I can't masturbate yeah. by myself anymore and because I can't jerk off the way that I want to, um, sometimes my body will just release in at random points of the day when I don't ask it to, it'll just decide, Oh yep, we're gonna we're gonna finish right now, which is which is really kind of annoying when you're just watching T V. And so Living. that can feel yeah. like a that can feel like a betrayal for me because like I didn't ask you to come right now. What's happening? I wasn't aroused. Like why did you do this? I, or I didn't ask yeah. you to like have an have an IBS attack right now. Like, what the hell? I'm trying to do oh. this thing, and I have mm -hmm. to be professional. Like, so I think there's a lot of body betrayal because I didn't ask my body to do these things, and so because I am very disabled and I need a lot of help. If if something happens and I have to be cleaned up, I have to call somebody. I need support. So like, mm -hmm. you could all of that body betrayal is also mixed in with like guilt and shame and discomfort and so it mm -hmm. feels the betrayal is like how how can i be seen as normal i'm doing air quotes normal if my body is yeah. <laughs> doing is doing this to me mm, and uh, like i'm glad you make air quotes saying normal because i feel like what the fuck is normal right like it's what we see in media television right like yeah yeah I, there is no normal Right. And the, no, the shame and guilt is a big thing. Yeah. And I I want to ask, like, what you've seen or or what kind of advice you give with, like, someone coming to terms with that shame or or guilt, guilt feeling. And is there a difference between someone who's like lived with a disability their whole life versus someone who did have an accident or, you know, it's later down the line, an illness, whatever has uh, you know, cause that in their life? I think the grief is different. I think I, I term it as disability grief because like when I lost the ability to self-pleasure and masturbate, like that took a couple years. Mm -hmm. And so slowly you would see yeah. your body change. And when I lost, I also lost the ability to pee by myself. And so I need assistance with that now. And so like those things, while I've always been disabled, those things also happening like, they took a toll. But I think it's different when you go from being mm -hmm. completely able-bodied and quote-unquote healthy mm -hmm. to, like, oh, no, no, I'm a wheelchair user. So I think the grief is different, but I think they're equally as valid. Confidants, sober girlies, are you looking to cut back or cut out alcohol this year? Come on, join me and Zach on our sober journeys. Recess Zero Proof 
craft mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. We've recreated the cocktails you know and love, like a lime margarita and a grapefruit paloma, so you can enjoy the flavors and feelings of those cocktails without the booze. That's right. Zero proof, zero compromise. Listeners can get 15% off the recess mocktail sampler at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. Each can is lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients like so many stress balancing adaptogens made with real fruit and only 25 calories or less. It's a guilt-free way to unwind. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make recess mocktails your drink between drinks or like me, your forever mocktail. I am so obsessed with the ginger lime mule and also the grapefruit paloma for spring. It's my favorite go-to weekend drink. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Now, I know what you're thinking, Kelsey, when did you become obsessed with cowboy boots? Well, did you forget that I was raised in Florida? Are you forgetting I'm a little country girl by heart? I even wore my Tacovas recently when I went on a ski trip with my family to Colorado. I wore my white Tacovas when I went to the Taylor Swift concert. And if you didn't think you would need cowboy boots anytime soon, uh, might I remind you that Beyonce just dropped her little country album and you're going to need some Tacovas. Tacovas is my favorite boot brand and they're bringing a fresh perspective to hair boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. And Tacova's is Western to their core, offering a bunch of other head-to-toe Western staples, trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it, and they'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to one of their stores, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Right, right. And do you think that there's a difference in someone who gets to go through those like pubescent years and has more experience with uh uh the guilt and shame or is it always there like is it a renewal every time i mean i think for me like i'm 38 and i'm way past pubescent but like you know i still (laughs) have you are (laughs) i know shocking right but like i I still have guilt and shame and i like i've never i never dated i never fucked around when i was a teenager like i never did all the things you do when you're a teenager because i was busy having surgery and dealing with my disabled body so like sometimes I feel like I'm going through a second adolescence of like oh I get to experience this for the first time but then there's a shame of that also of like I'm 38 I should have this like I should be hitting this milestone mm-hmm. and I can't I should be you know moving in with a partner I should be getting married I should have nah, 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 and all these things that I can't achieve and so I think that like it can be really hard to to navigate trying to figure out how you feel about these things because when when your disability throws you a curveball like like you can't do something anymore all of a sudden all those teenage fears of like not feeling good enough not feeling worthy enough not being cool enough all this stuff is still there 
Like, I'm 38, and I constantly feel that way. So I think that... Same. But I think, I think that, like, if you go through puberty as a person born with disabilities, it is different, though. Like, I couldn't imagine being 12 and having an accident and then becoming completely disabled and then... Mm. And then needing to do that all over again, I would think I would be mortified if I had to do that. I I was lucky enough that I had the privilege of being born in a disabled body, so kind of knew what to expect. But I mean, you're never used, you're never ready for the ableism that people will throw at you. You're never ready for their ignorance. Like that stuff sometimes comes out of left field, and you're like, oh wow, I wasn't ready for you to be an ableist today. (laughs) Wow, okay, cool. It's always a surprise. Uh, every day is a different uh, adventure. You never know what yeah. you're going to get in this fucking society, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I I wonder, too, like, if someone who is wanting to learn more about, like, the 101s with whether it be – and, again, we'll maybe cover this on your podcast, but, like, do you consider chronic pain under the umbrella of disability? Or yes. is there a, a world in which someone with chronic pain can get out of chronic pain and therefore no longer identify as disabled? I don't think so. I mean, I think – and, again, I think if you're using the word, the term disabled to describe yourself, like, you, there's a reason behind that. You're, you're using that purposefully, mm. hopefully. Like, I think, like – I think it's really important to listen to the language people use. And I think cr- people with chronic pain are disabled. But I think there are a lot of people with chronic pain who would say, who would say like, I don't think I am. I don't want to be under that label. That label scares me. And I would say, cool, can we interrogate why you're afraid of it? Like, what, what scares you? And I would say, like, your handbook yeah. will be in the, ma- in the mail. We'll see you in, like, we'll see you at the next meeting where all the gimps get together. And I would make a joke about it and, like, let them <laughs> let them feel comfortable. But, like... A lot of people are afraid to own that label. And I say, like, it's a community of people that you can draw friendship from, community. And so I think think that, especially with COVID, doing what it's done, like, according to the – that that stat that was on the Try Guy podcast that I did, it was, like, 1.2 million more people are going to be disabled after this. So, like, we got to start – Welcome, Opening fuckers. Up. Yeah, basically, like, welcome, fuckers. Like, literally that. Like, here it is. And so, like, I think, you know, yeah. I think that, but I think a lot of people are afraid of that label because of all the dangerous things mm-hmm. we, we put on top of that. So, like, we've made disabled mean less than. We've made disabled mean worthless. Mm-hmm. We've made it mean pity. We made it, we've made it mean all these things that it mm-hmm. can be but doesn't have to be. And so I think... Mm-hmm. If we just look at, and I mean, look at the way we talk about disabled people. We never say disabled. We say like, no. oh, you're handicapable. Other bodied. <laughs> yeah. Or, oh, you have special needs. And it's like, can you just fucking say what it is? I have a disability. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I've definitely been guilty of using the other bodied. And I, I'm like, well, I've heard that that's the preference for someone, and it's like, okay, but are, we've made an overwhelming societal agreement that, like, disability, fat, queer, like, all these words aren't, um, like, hate words anymore yeah. if the community has taken them back and is, like, proudly standing by them. And, um, I, it, yeah, I guilty as charged. Fuck. Um, but I, I wonder, like, speaking of community, now we're throwing another word on top of it, like, we're also queer people. We're queer right. here. And how does that community differ, do you think, from, if at all, from our standard disability community? Oh, I mean, I think the, the queer community ha- 
the, I think the queer community has a ton of problems with their own ableism. I yeah? think queer men are the worst because, you know, <laughs> and, and like that's the community that I search, seek out for like sex and hooking up and all that stuff. And like they're not great. They have a lot of body shame and they think if you don't go to the gym five times mm-hmm. a week and you don't look a certain way. And for me, that's why that's why I started using they them pronouns, because I I was like, I want to move away from my disability doesn't allow me to be this cookie cutter idea of what a queer man's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. My disability is mm-hmm. forcing me to do all this different stuff. And I want to just see how my mm-hmm. my my they-ness is connected to all this. So, like, I definitely am aware of my privilege. I'm definitely still read as a cis man. I get that. But a part of me is like, I want to I want to explore what it means to not have to worry about all the stereotype stuff that that my body, mm. because I'm disabled and I'm a wheelchair user, my body can't do any of that. And so a lot of my experiences with queer men, like I've stopped dating. I don't I don't really date anymore because it's a trash fire. What's the what? What's the point? So like I, I generally work yeah. with like, I work with sex workers when I can and I get my needs met and then, you know, I, I get what I, what I want, what I need. And then I see them again in two weeks and then that's great. Like it's <laughs> like, it's a lot more it's a good setup. Yeah. It's a lot more freeing because I don't have to worry about, do you like mm. me? Are there emotions? Like, yeah, of course we care about each other, but like, mm. I don't I'm not worried so much about finding a partner like I'm not worried so much about mm. like all these things of course I would love somebody to be like I think you're so attractive let's go on a date that'd be great but those things don't yeah. happen because of ableism and like mm. I can't tell you the number of times gay men have said to me at clubs or on an app they'll say like oh what happened to you are you okay oh I'm so sorry that you're disabled like and it's like <laughs> wow okay and so like you get enough of what those. What happened to you? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, you get enough oh. of that, and you're just like, I don't want to date anymore. Like, fuck it. This is ridiculous. So, right. like... Is there, like, not enough communities of, like, queer disabled folks who don't have to deal with that shit? Like, there's just... The, we, I mean, there's no there apps, are. There is no definitely community. Club. Like, do we need to get hella um, niche? And I think maybe you froze again. You're, you're, oh, no. Are you back? Yeah, yeah, you are. Ha! Ah, you know you're in, you're in. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. Did you hear my question? Sorry. Yeah, ask it again, and I'll, I'll answer it again. Yes, thanks. I was like, do we just not have enough spaces for like queer disabled people? Like, is there no? Do we not have enough apps or clubs or physical spaces? We don't. Not well, that we, we don't have se- segregate even more. You know. No, we want inclusion. So what, what we need to do is to make yeah. the queer spaces have a ramp. We need to make queer spaces have elevators. We need to make queer spaces have accessible fucking washrooms. Like we need to we need to put all that stuff in the existing spaces to be like we're here too. And one of the things I loved about doing queer as folk and I'll just say what I did cuz whatever. If if I get in trouble, sorry. Yeah. But like so one no, of the whatever. scenes like one of the scenes I got to do was I got to be um in a sex club scene where I got to like pretend to have sex with somebody on camera. And so one of the cool things about that was that it was, even though it was fake, even though it was TV, they made an accessible club where a bunch of people in wheelchairs could be seen. And so we need to do stuff like that. And so what I'm so proud about about that show and when people see that is like gay men, gay able-bodied men are going to see that and go, oh, I didn't realize that was possible. Maybe I should reconsider how I thought about this now. And so I don't think we need to have 
different clubs for non-disabled people. I think we need to have clubs retrofitted to have ramps, elevators. Like I say this all the time, we have so many. You know, you live in LA. We have there's so many clubs there that have big drag parties and do all this stuff. Why yeah. couldn't one of those clubs have a fundraiser for a ramp? We have fundraisers for HIV and AIDS all the time, which are great and important and valuable. Mm-hmm. Can we not have the same kind of fundraiser to build a fucking ramp at the club? Why can't we do that? I mean, like, we've also been doing the AIDS fundraisers for, like, 20 years. It's like we need another principal blue ribbon cause. Like, yeah, let's, yeah. Get something, let's get some brainstorms going, guys. <laughs> like, share like, the wealth, it, literally. Like, I want to see the Try Guys do it, do it, do an episode where they go into a, a gay club and they do their drag show, but they raise money for, like, a ramp. How fucking awesome would that be? I'm going to text Rachel, their producer, right now. Yeah, I'd be like, here's the idea. (laughs) (laughs) And we have this amazing disability consultant that you could hire if you... um, If you you need to, yeah. And you better have a fucking disabled voice and consultant. And yeah, they're very good at that kind of stuff. But for anyone listening. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, like, how how cool would that be to have have those things in clubs? And I think we just need the awareness. I think yeah. the queer community is still, mm. especially queer men, at least the community that I frequent, they're really like, you know, they're afraid of illness and disease because of the AIDS crisis 20 years ago, mm. 20, 30 years ago. They're, it's still scary for them. So that's why they all go to the gym and they all look a certain way and they all mm. are super into fitness because they're afraid of illness. And then I roll up and be like, yo, I'm chronically ill and I... I'm disabled and I have a big dick and when are we fucking? And they're like, I don't know what to do with you. I'm so afraid of you. Like, what do I do? So <laughs> I wish that they would, I wish that more queer men would would sit with their own ableism and be like, oh, I fucked up here. Let me try again. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like also hilarious. Um, I, the fear. <laughs> you're You're like so right that there's like a fear, but like, what are we so afraid of? Is it like we're afraid of, being the the wrong ones being the called out ones or is it just like stepping to a space that we feel like we don't belong like where does the fucking fear come from all all of that we're afraid of all of those things like all of that together it's not one thing or the other it's all of that together and because we don't we don't talk about the fact that like everyone is going to be disabled which is why you know when zach said i think i'm i think i'm disabled it was like a light bulb moment for him because, you know, he doesn't think about, and why would he? Why would you think about becoming disabled? We don't. That's not how we operate. But right. we start putting right. that in in our everyday life of like, yeah, if you're lucky enough to live long enough, you will become disabled. You will have illness. Mm-hmm. You will have disability. And so, like, I think the fear comes from. I think particularly if we're talking about queer men. You know, 20, 30 years ago, they watched all their friends die from HIV and AIDS, which is horrible. And so they look at someone like me and they don't know how to process, wait, he's mm-hmm. chronically ill, he's disabled, mm-hmm. he's happy, and he wants mm-hmm. me to fuck him? What do I do? I don't understand this. <laughs> so I think they're just afraid and no one's ever said to them, no one's ever said, it's okay to be scared, it's okay to be afraid of this, but let's yeah. talk about it. We've been taught that we're not supposed to talk about yeah. it. So so when I come in and say, let's talk about it, everybody goes, oh! <gasps> What I'm allowed to I'm allowed to talk about this, right? And I think the key word is like when it's consensual, right? You know, if like there's so many resources out there, there's so many advocates and people that are 
wanting to have those teachable moments that are willing to have the scary, awkward conversations. Like there's no reason why you can't just, you know, download disability after dark and start from the beginning. I mean, you really and should start learning. Yeah. Yeah. And those I think, you know, episodes. yeah, the, the first 100 are really great. Um, no, they're all amazing. But, but, you know, you know, to think about like that discomfort. And I think what I'm doing now in my, in my, Activism and advocacy is like, let me sit with you and let you let me let you be uncomfortable. And that's okay. Like it's mm. all right to be uncomfortable. It doesn't mm. it doesn't mean you're a bad person. I think where we get into your bad person territory is if I've asked you multiple times to stop doing this or explain to you why it's harmful, mm-hmm. and then you continue doing it, and you're like, oh, I just didn't know any better. Well, I, but I told you though. So I, I think people's yeah. initial feelings of ableism are not. They don't make you bad. They just mean you have stuff to work on. And if you start doing the work, you'll start to see ableism everywhere and start to, like, change the way you behave to make sure that you're not being ableist. That's really all we can do um, and do our best to make sure that we're not hurting someone else. Yeah. And then, like, where does, like, the the sex and disability 101 start, right? Because I feel like there's the just societal ableism and then how do we how do we dig deeper like how do we go further into like just beyond the basic level of being an advocate or being an ally i mean i think the sex 101 starts with like when you become disabled you're going to want to have great sex right so why aren't we talking about it now when you like i always say like you could run into the hottest disabled person in your whole life you could be you could be at the store and they could be in their wheelchair like at the grocery store you could be at a doctor's office and they could be there you could, like even if you don't become disabled yourself you could meet somebody who you fall in love with who is disabled and like you're gonna have to deal with that so i think the sex 101 is like when you become disabled you're gonna want to have sex still too and when you meet a disabled person you might want to have sex with them too or they might want to have sex with you and i think that the one the the thing you should do if you are you know if you're wanting to have sex with a disabled person or you're afraid of talking about that consider why why are you afraid of talking about sex and disability because you don't want to say the wrong thing or because you assumed they couldn't have sex or because you assumed all this stuff like yeah. i think before you get into like re- again the same thing i said before before you get into resources of like how to change it you have to look in your own biases first and be like what have i believed mm-hmm from the beginning and then once Mm -hmm. I voice that without shame because I think that's the problem too a lot of people will voice their opinion or voice or voice their misunderstanding and then disability activists will go well you're wrong and fuck you and And it's okay well that you're not helping there you're actually making it worse for somebody to learn so my job even when it's really hard is to be like let me just sit in the room with you and let me just let's have a talk tell me all the things you think are horrible and when I give lectures at big universities I'll say like okay does anybody have any ableist thoughts tell me and they'll all sit there and look, they'll all be quiet and not wanting to offend me and I'll say I know what you're thinking just say it and I'll get emails two or three <laughs> weeks later that are like I wanted to ask you about your genitals or I wanted to ask you about like this position or I wanted to ask you like how does this work but I was too afraid so I would say like ask me the stuff that you're mm. afraid of and we'll talk about it and I think mm. the way we get to really talking about sex and disability is figuring out first off what we're afraid of and we're afraid of Mm. hurting the disabled person we're afraid of 
offending them. We're afraid that their body won't look like the bodies we're used to. And you know what? Sometimes they won't, but they're still a, it's still a human being in there, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that that's so important too. Is like to to do a breakdown of your own fears and your own concerns because I assumed it o- it op- it often has to do with fear of insulting or insinuating or assuming on someone else's behalf is at least like you know some of the questions I get in my very limited um, sexual disability <laughs> experience is like I'm like I'm okay I'm more if we're if your dick is in front of my face we're past the point of like <laughs> being cautious about hurting my feelings like if your dick is in front of my face yeah if your dick's in front of my face I'm going to town I'm figuring I want to do this I mean but but I think also like <laughs> the fear people have and especially you know for you as a female identified person I think people are really they just don't want to say the wrong thing. And, you know, guys are idiots. Guys are really, like, not the smartest people in the world. <laughs> Believe me, I know I, I, I'm, red as, I'm red as one. I've slept with many. They, <laughs> they, they're just ridiculous. So I think, like, but I think asking questions beforehand, before their dicks in my face, like, and, and so I give them a, ch- a chance to be like, hey, do you want to talk about some stuff? Or I'll say to them before we hook up, like, hey, I'm very disabled. Are you sure you're okay with that? Like, I give them... Five or six chances mm. to to opt the fuck out because if they're too scared, then I don't want to deal with you. But I mean, mm. I think that the fear is also like, what are people going to think when I say that I slept with a disabled person? What are they going to think of me if I said, mm. "Yeah, my partner is mm. in a wheelchair"? What is society going to think of mm. me if I agree to do this? Because again, we've made this societal agreement that disability and sex is bad and wrong. So if you break that agreement, what does that say about you? People think, you know, weird about you. So I think there's a lot of stuff in there as to why mm. people are afraid. That's so, it's so funny. My initial reaction when you said that was like, who would think that? If anything, I wish I'd slept with more wheelchair users. And then I went, wait, is that also a problem? <laughs> is that also, like, when do we also get to, like, a kink? Is it the ever harmful? Thing. Like, are we ever? Yeah. Yeah, the fetishization of it. Like, I mean, first of all, the fact that you could pronounce fetishization is, like, really, it's so hard to say. It's so hard it's to say. It's not easy when the bottom half of your mouth is numb. No, yeah, it doesn't work. Um, so, but, you know, I think I think fetishization, like, I like fetishizing myself a little bit. Like, I'll play with language. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll call myself a bear in a chair, or I'll call myself, like, a, bi- <laughs> uh, like a big dick crip, or I'll call myself, like, you know, I'll use certain language to play with the fact that I'm disabled, and I want my partners to do the same. If I'm if I'm fucking you, I want you to be okay calling me a dirty little cripple, or I want you to be okay like, you know. I, but I make that choice. That doesn't work for everybody, and I think when you dehumanize the person, mm-hmm. if you're dehumanizing them without their consent, that's totally different. But if I said to you like, I think it's hot when you call me. A dirty little cripple or a bear in a chair, whatever it is. Like I think, I think listening to the language disabled people want you to use, both in and out of the bedroom, is important. Giving them the agency to say, "Yeah, I want to. I want you to humiliate me right now as a disabled person." Like I want that turns me on. But like I think, if you did that, I had somebody once had a sex worker once who I won't, who I, who I won't see again. They were very nice, but we won't. We did. We didn't click, and he. 
came into my apartment and he sat down before we started the session and he goes, Oh, you're so handy capable. And I went, wait a minute. Hold on. Like who, <laughs> who, who taught you that? And he goes, Oh, I thought that that's language that you guys liked. And I was like, no, we didn't oh, sign off on that. No. Collectively we said no. And then we were halfway through our session. I'd already, I, I, I'd already paid the money. So I was like, well, if I'm going to, if, if you're here, so, like, I guess I'll, I'll work with you, fine. So we're in the middle of it, and he stops yeah. me halfway through, and he goes, he goes, he whispers in my ear, and I thought he was going to say something dirty, like, oh, you're so hot, you do this, like, fuck me harder, whatever it is. And he goes, he goes, you're such a good person. And I went, I literally, I literally stopped, I, pu- I pushed him off me, and I went, what'd you say? And he goes, Oh, I just said you're a good person, and I was like, "You don't know me from anyone. I like you don't know who I am. Why would you think that I'm a good person?" He goes, "Well, you know, because you're in a wheelchair." And I went, <sighs> "I was like, okay, I'm 20 seconds from coming anyway. Just finish and leave. Like, where, where, can we can we be done? Like, it was so." There are some people that are just a lost cause. You know, you gotta know where to to expend your energy. Yeah, yeah, and so like I just I remember like I'll never forget that. I I know he meant well, and I know he didn't mean to be rude, and I get I understand all of that. But I just thought, what are you saying right now? And like, some people have said. Yeah, like what a horrible thing to, way to start. Like he could have said anything else, and I would have been like, "Sure, great." Yeah. So it, like stuff like that. And I think when we, I think what people don't realize is like, I have to give you permission to talk, to ask me those things. And if you were going to ask me, if you were going to say like, "I think you're a good person because you're in a wheelchair," I really would have preferred you ask me before I'm like, before I'm like, you know. <laughs> Deep throating you and trying to get trying to get off. Like I really like I like God damn it! I just want to have a good time here and you ruining it. Andrew, literally, my chronic pain flare is so hot right now because you are making me laugh too fucking much. I love it I, so much. I thank you for it and I applaud you for it. When someone can get me, if someone can get me to need an ice pack after a fucking podcast, then you know it's been a good episode. But I feel I, so honored that I get to do that. Yeah, I I feel like I just gave the longest blowjob of my life. And I can go <laughs> for a whole about three minutes before I need a break, okay? Wow, that is that. some skill. All right. Wow. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, Andrew, can you please come back? Because I feel like. Of course, I didn't look at my outline. I knew I wouldn't need any fucking questions. <laughs> I want to talk to you again. I think you're so great and funny. Will you please come back? Yes, please. I would love it. So I had so much fun. This is such a free flowing. Like you'll see when you do mine on Friday. It's a little bit. It's a bit more structured, but I love. This is great. This no, is awesome. I need. I need structure. When I'm in my brain and I've had an Adderall, we can go to all sorts of different lands. But when we're on your podcast, I I appreciate the structure in the ground. So please, amazing. Tell me okay, I'm ready. Do. I need that. I'm ready. That in my life. Awesome. Good. Okay. Good. Well, Andrew, where can the confidants find you and your work, and how do you want to be found? The confidants can find me. First of all, you should be downloading Disability After Dark, which comes out every Saturday with new episodes and bonus episodes and bonus series and things I'm doing, all that stuff. So download that wherever you podcast right now. And then I'm really active on the Twitter and Instagram, so you can find me at AndrewGerza1, AndrewGerza and the number one after it. Um, And that's it. And then you can find me there. And um, you can hire me 
by going to my website, andrewgerzo.com, and I give talks, and I give writing tutorials, and I help edit things to make sure that disabilities and everything, so hire me there. I was going to say I'll probably reach out to you off camera, obviously, about like my come my next book that I'm writing because I definitely I've been like searching for consulting on it and like here I here you are I, I mean I, <laughs> I think you found the one I would love to I would really love, I would be so honored it'd be great that would be I will definitely have that conversation um and you'll definitely come back and we're friends and thank you so much for doing this episode it was so fun it was really a lot of fun Oh, good. All right, Coffee Dons, make sure you follow Andrew. All the links are linked below. Duh. Listen to him and his podcast and follow him on all the socials. And we will see you next week. Bye, Andrew. Bye.